Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs, and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. to Season 7, Episode 14 of Horror Hill. I hope that you're enjoying our gloomy descent into winter. We're going to be taking a brief break from our seasonally-themed stories to bring you a tale of lost love gone wrong. Allow me to introduce you to Tristan, who begins our story by having an aggressive confrontation with his wife, Tiffany. Tiffany seems to have it all. She's loving, gorgeous, and is a caring and dutiful housewife. However, she was also buried in the local cemetery the day before. Offering no explanation as to how she's back in the world of the living, it's up to Tristan to uncover the truth of this bizarre situation. Is this some trick? Some con? Or is something darker going on? I suppose you'll have to stay tuned to find out. You're listening to the standard edition of this program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today to get instant access from our friends at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Did I mention they were ad-free? Thank you for your support. 
And now, from author D.B. Anthony, I give you Widower. He remembers the day he was brought to the police station to identify his wife's body. She had been missing for 72 hours before they found her body, still gnawed on by the forest wildlife. Her body was mostly gone, probably filling the stomachs of plenty of animals before they found it. The only way he could confirm that it was her was the small, heart-shaped mole on the right side of her lower back, just above her butt cheek. He remembered the closed casket funeral, where everyone said their condolences and wept for her death. He also remembers burying her in Valley Falls Cemetery next to her parents. That was just yesterday. So how the fuck was she standing in front of him at this very moment? Who the fuck are you? Tristan shouts. Tristan Evenki Bluger, don't you recognize your wife? She replies. It can't be her. She may have the same voice as Tiffany, hazel eyes, a beautiful face, sexy body and long, gorgeous, dark brown hair, but it couldn't be her. He had just buried her. Ask me something only I would know, she said. Um, when we first met, I had a bow tie on that you thought looked dorky as hell. What color was that bow tie? Is that a trick question? We met at Stephanie Duncan's pool party. You weren't wearing a bow tie. You wore a black tank top and your swim shorts with a skull and rose on it that you've had since high school. She replies smugly. That's right. But what did we do together at that pool party? Nothing. You got drunk, so I drove you home and stayed the night. You thought we had sex, but we didn't. Another right answer. Whoever this woman is, she must have done her homework on their relationship before coming to his door and claiming to be his deceased wife. Got any more? Oh, here's one. How about how you have a stuffed penguin you named Rodrigo that your mom bought you at the Roger Williams Zoo that you still sleep with every day because you believe stuffed animals protect you from nightmares? I never told anyone that besides... Besides me, she interrupts. How can this be possible? Well, I'm not sure the last thing I remember. I was on my usual jog on the trails, and I tripped and fell, and then, well, nothing. Tristan grabs her and hugs her tightly as he tears up and starts to cry. I thought I lost you forever. He says, Well, I'm back, baby, and I'm not going anywhere. Now, you've had a long day. Let's get you to bed, and I'll make you breakfast in the morning. They head off to their bedroom, with Tiffany curiously letting him lead the way as she looks around the house. As they lay in bed, Tristan couldn't help but feel as if something was still off about this situation but he wanted to fall asleep happy rather than cry himself to sleep another night. He rolls over, puts his arm over Tiffany, and quickly falls asleep. <laughs> 
That night, Tristan would dream that he was on the town's hiking trail, chasing after Tiffany during her morning run. He would never be able to catch her. She was too fast for him, and he hated cardio. Suddenly, a thick cloud of fog rolled onto the trails, making him lose sight of her. Someone help me! He heard her voice cry out. Already out of breath, Tristan started to sprint forward as fast as he could. He reaches a clearing in the fog, where he sees his wife being ruthlessly stabbed by a person in all black. Upon closer inspection, he notices that the figure in black is the same height and body type as his wife. Hey! He shouts at the woman in black. She turns to him, revealing her face. He can't believe it. The woman shares the same face as his wife. The revelation shocks him awake. He looks for Tiffany in bed next to him, but she's gone. He wonders if seeing her last night was another dream when he starts to smell sausage cooking in the kitchen. Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings than anywhere else, so finding the perfect place is easier than ever, and so is finally moving in together. Just the two of you. It's a big step. Lots of new responsibilities. Lots of adjustments. Most likely, they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom and you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They might even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together, but you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. And that's why Apartments.com has the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet so that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. He gets out of bed and walks to the kitchen, seeing her at the island, cooking sausage and pancakes on the stove. Hey, handsome, how'd you sleep? She asks. Not good. I had the weirdest nightmare, he replies, sitting on one of the bar stools opposite her. She pours him a glass of orange juice, as she does every morning, and sets it in front of him. Want to talk about it? She asks. It was weird. We were on the trails, only you were running ahead of me, like we were racing. 
Then the fog rolled in and you screamed for help. When I found you, you, you found me dead, she interrupts. I think Rodrigo the Penguin took the night off last night, she chuckles. Yeah, he must have. I actually don't remember seeing him on the bed this morning. Did you move him or anything? No, of course not. I know how much that little penguin helps you. Okay. Are you going for your morning run today? He asks curiously. No, you know I don't run on Tuesdays. Besides, it might not be a good idea to go for a run around a town that thinks I'm dead. Last night's dream gave him a bad feeling about his wife, or the woman claiming to be his wife. He knew she was right, but he couldn't help but keep testing her. After breakfast, he went into his home office, claiming he had to get some work done when he was actually on a three-day leave of absence. He looked at the picture of his wife on his desk from when they went on their honeymoon. The fun time they had that day seemed like a distant memory, though it had only, in reality, been three years ago. They got married in secret, without a ceremony, at the town hall, because her foster parents didn't approve of her dating or marrying a Puerto Rican man, even if he was only Puerto Rican on his father's side and had mostly European ancestry on his mother's. The exact date they got married was only known to the two of them, If anyone else asked, they always told them they got drunk and eloped in Vegas when he went there for a business trip in the spring. He was lost in thought when his cell phone began to ring. Looking at his phone, he noticed that the number calling him belonged to the Vernon Police Department. Confused, he answered. Hello? Hello, this is Detective Stanley Hartman with the town of Vernon Police Department. Is this Tristan Bluger? Asks the voice on the other side of the phone. Yeah, this is him, he replies. Do you have a moment to come down to the station and talk, Mr. Bluger? Uh, yeah, of course. May I ask what this pertains to? This would be better if I could talk to you in person, sir. How soon can you come down to the station? I can come down right now. At that moment, Tristan noticed a shadow blocking the light coming in from the bottom of his office door. He wondered how much of the conversation Tiffany had heard as he grabbed his jacket from the coat rack and started heading to the door. I'll be right there, he says while hanging up the phone. He opens the door, revealing Tiffany standing in front of it, acting as if she were about to knock. Hey, hun. I was just coming up to tell you I made us some salads for lunch, she says. Oh, well, I'll be right back. They need me at the office. There's a problem getting author submissions or something like that. I should be back for dinner. Oh, okay, I guess, she says sadly. He gives her a long goodbye kiss before leaving for the police station. He couldn't help but feel as if something was off about that kiss. It felt like he was kissing someone else's lips, but not his wife's. Starting the car, he pulls out of the driveway and drives down his street, eventually taking a left onto Hartford Turnpike, where the police station was located. It was just a few miles down the road at that point, but his office was over in Hartford, 
about 20 minutes away, so he decided to drive past the police station and do a full lap around town before stopping. He didn't live far from the police station at all. After a 20-minute drive around Vernon, he finally stops at the police station. Let's get this over with, he says to himself. He gets out of his car and heads into the police station. The lobby area was nothing fancy, just a few chairs, a mini-display of old police gear and police patches from all the surrounding departments, and two other doors besides the entryway. One door was to the left of him, which was the press room. The other one, directly ahead of him, was to the rest of the station, where civilians like himself rarely needed entry. Next to the door ahead of him were two windows with one-way glass that didn't let you see the person behind it. One was for talking to a dispatcher through a direct line to a phone on the other side. The other was for getting pistol and rifle permits or arrest records. The last time he was in this lobby, he went to the other window to fill out paperwork so he and Tiffany could get matching pistols. He remembered how she was so excited to be able to finally own and shoot a Glock 17, like her father once had, and how disappointed she was when it felt too big for her hands. She ended up getting a Glock 43 instead, a Glock 43 that she never left the house without. They never located that gun around her body. Maybe that was why the officer asked him here. After a few moments of hesitation and feeling like someone was watching him from the one-way glass, he finally picked up the phone. Hi, I'm here to see Detective Stanley Hartman, he said into the phone. Name, please, sir, a female voice replied. Tristan, ma'am, Tristan Bluger. He should be expecting me. After a long pause, the woman behind the one-way glass told him to have a seat, and the detective would be right out to escort him to the back offices. He couldn't escape the feeling as though he was still being watched as he waited. He dismissed it as the uneasiness one feels when sitting in a police station lobby, not knowing why the police want to speak with you. After about five minutes of waiting, an officer finally opened the door and poked his head around the corner, looking in Tristan's direction. You Tristan? He asks. Yeah, are you Detective Hartman? Tristan replies. Yeah, come with me. We have a lot to talk about. Detective Hartman opens the door the rest of the way and gestures for Tristan to follow him through. He leads him to his desk rather than the interrogation rooms he assumed they always talked to people in. I thought you detectives always talked to people in the interrogation rooms, Tristan says jokingly, trying to gauge the mood of the detective. We can go into one if you like for the privacy, but that's honestly mostly in the TV shows. If you aren't a suspect, we mostly just talk to people at our desks, he replies. So what is this about? Did they finally find my wife's pistol? No, we're still trying to locate that, but... He could see the hesitation on the detective's face. He had news, most likely bad news. Your wife's autopsy results came back. They originally thought the cause of death was a wound she had received from falling. 
However, after our medical examiner looked through the pictures of what remained of her organs, he noticed about four or five stab wounds consistent with being stabbed by a knife repeatedly. So, what are you saying? That my wife was murdered? Detective Hartman's voice began to fade out. Tristan became even more confused now than he was before. His wife, who was supposedly murdered, was sitting at home right now, as if nothing had happened. He contemplated telling the detective, but thought about how that might get his wife in trouble for faking her death for insurance fraud or something, and he didn't want to lose her again. Tristan left the station with more questions than answers. He drove another lap around town to keep his story consistent before returning home. He sat in the driveway for a moment, contemplating his next move before walking in. Hey, handsome. Dinner will be ready in a few moments. I made your favorite firecracker chicken just like your mom used to. If she was an imposter, how would she know his mom's recipe for firecracker chicken? She had only taught Tiffany how to make it as she used to. Then again, he was pretty sure his mother had found the recipe online. Did you solve the issue at the office, hon? She asked. Oh, there was a communication error with the programming in our submission website and servers. I had tech support start fixing it while we told our authors to submit their work through email until we fixed the problem. Well, that's good. Normally, he would never be able to lie to his wife. Not like he wouldn't try. He could keep nothing from her. Even things like presents or surprises, he'd always tell her. With this Tiffany, he didn't even have the slightest problem lying to her, and didn't know or understand why. A few moments go by, and they sit at the living room coffee table to eat together and watch a classic episode of Doctor Who. She didn't seem all that interested, which struck him as odd because they were watching a Tom Baker episode with K-9, and she loved Tom Baker's doctor and K-9. Everything okay, love? He asked. Yeah, just distracted is all, she replied. By what? You. She leans over and starts kissing him as she reaches down and unbuckles his belt. As she pulls his pants down, an uneasy feeling begins to set in as if something were wrong. Tristan can't help but feel as if he were cheating on his wife, but everything she was doing felt so good just like Tiffany was doing it. As she took off her shirt and pulled down his boxers, he briefly saw her back. He noticed that the heart-shaped mole wasn't where it was supposed to be. She was about to start going down on him when he stood up quickly, pulling his pants and boxers up. I'm sorry, babe. This is just so freaky. I can't do this right now. I just buried you two days ago, and now you're alive, and you're cooking me food, and you're... He stops mid-sentence, clearly flustered. It's okay, baby. We can wait till you've adjusted back into things, she replies. They turned off Doctor Who and headed to the bedroom, where Tiffany first fell asleep. When Tristan was positive she was asleep... He pulled her shirt up to check her back for the heart-shaped mole. It really wasn't there. 
He now had his confirmation that this woman wasn't his wife. But who the hell was she? And what did she want? He decided to play along to try and figure out the goal of this mystery woman impersonating his wife. After all, she could be her murderer, he thought to himself. After a half hour went by, Tristan finally fell asleep. That night, he would dream of his wife again, only this time, the dream was clearer. She wasn't running as if she were racing him. She was running as if she wanted to escape him. This time, when the thick fog rolled in, Tristan didn't hesitate to continue to sprint through it. When the fog cleared, he saw his wife tripping over a tree branch that must have fallen during that night's storm. He watched his wife pull her Glock 43 from her hip holster. Why are you doing this? She screams. The woman in black didn't answer. She quickly grabs the pistol from his wife's hands and tosses it as far as she can to the right. Tristan didn't want to watch his wife be murdered again so he followed the pistol. About 15 feet from where an old moss attacked her covered tree, he finds the pistol sitting in a pile of the tree's needles. As he picks up the Glock, he hears twigs snapping behind him. He turns, and there she is, swinging the tree branch at him and knocking him to the ground. He wakes up before her next swing. He can smell the imposter Tiffany cooking him breakfast again. This time, it smelled like bacon. Tiffany would always alternate bacon for sausage every other day of the week. Tristan gets up and goes about their morning routine as if nothing were wrong. She hands him his orange juice, just like Tiffany did every morning, and a plate full of French toast, bacon, and eggs. Eat up, sweetheart she said in his wife's voice. He chugs down the orange juice as he watches her start putting the dishes in the dishwasher. Babe, he says. Yes, dear? Do you remember our wedding day? Well, of course I do, silly. We went to Vegas and eloped while you were on a business trip. Yeah, that Elvis impersonating priest was something, right? He replies trying to see how deep of a hole he could get her in. Yeah, I still can't believe those places are real. I used to think they were just a movie thing. Yeah, me too. Listen, I'm going to go for a walk this morning to clear my head after last night. Is that okay with you? He asks. Yeah, of course, hon. Just be careful. You don't want to have an accident like I did. Before leaving, he makes sure to grab his pistol from the gun safe. He was still determining what he was going to do with it. If anything, all he knew was that he wanted to protect himself and get to the bottom of things. The trail begins by an old abandoned church parking lot on Hartford Turnpike, but his wife was found on the part of the trail closer to Valley Falls. She used to run there every morning, and he'd drive there to pick her up. That was how he figured out she was missing in the first place, because she didn't make it to Valley Falls. He got in his car, and instead of driving to the abandoned church parking lot and making the long walk, he drove to Valley Falls. 
Parking his car, he watched for a few moments as families had fun together while barbecuing by the gazebo and swimming and fishing in the lake. He had once hoped that he and Tiffany would start a family of their own one day and bring the kids swimming and fishing here like he did when he was a kid. They could have had birthdays under the gazebo and had a great time together as a family. That dream, however, was stolen from him, and for all he knew, the woman who stole it from him was currently in their home wearing Tiffany's clothes and perfume while sitting in her spot on the couch, pretending to be her. He got out of the car and started walking towards the trails. He must have looked like he was on a mission, because people instantly got out of his way as he walked without saying anything to him. When he reaches the trail, he heads west, in the direction Tiffany would have come from if she had made it all the way to the end of her jog. This part of the trail was mostly empty at this time of day because people would rather walk the part that circled the lake. They had found his wife's body about half a mile away from the lake, which was just a few minutes' jog for her. This enraged Tristan, knowing she had only been a few minutes away from safety when she had been murdered. As he approached the area, he could still see the police tape marking his wife's murder scene. He wonders if Detective Hartman had been by since they discovered his wife was murdered. Any signs of the struggle were long gone, but he could picture the fight. He remembers where the pistol was thrown and decides to follow the same path he took in his dream. Eventually, he finds the old moss-covered tree he dreamt he found the gun by. He reaches down and feels the grooves of the polymer grip with his right hand. He picks the Glock 43 up and checks the magazine. Like in his dream, Tiffany hadn't even gotten a single shot off. This confused him because she was so adamant that she had the pistol to protect herself. She never said from who or what specifically, but he never pressed the conversation to find out. Suddenly, he hears an all-too-familiar sound of twigs snapping behind him. Before he can react, he's struck on the back of his head with a tree branch, knocking him to the ground and rendering him unconscious. When Tristan awakens, he's in his bed again, dressed in his pajamas as if he hadn't even woken up that morning. The only proof that it hadn't just been some dream was the pain he still felt in the back of his head. She must have knocked him out and dragged him through the woods to a nearby car on the roadway. Oh good, you're awake, Tiffany says while entering the room with a plate full of spaghetti. Not having his pistol, he decides to play along again, as if he hadn't figured out she was an imposter. What time is it? Why does my head hurt so much? He asks. You've slept all day, love. It's nine in the evening. You must have been having some nightmare because I swear I heard you struggling from the kitchen while I was cooking. He gets out of bed and follows her into the living room. It looked like she had been thumbing through old photo albums and diaries that Tiffany had stored away in the attic. She had also stored their marriage certificate in the photo album of their honeymoon, the one that the imposter seemed to be looking through currently. Do you want me to put on Doctor Who, or would you much rather watch Torchwood tonight? She asks. 
You pick, love, he replies. Okay. She begins playing a Torchwood episode and doesn't pay any attention. He watches her, waiting for her to find the marriage certificate in the photo album. She continues to look at pictures and flip page after page until, finally, he figures she must have come across it. She shoots him a look and smiles at him, putting the photo album down on the coffee table. I'll be right back. Gotta go to the bathroom, she says. Tristan doesn't respond. He watches as she leaves the room. He looks around for his cell phone, but figures she must have taken it when she put him to bed. He knows she has both guns, and most likely his phone. He only has a little time to come up with a plan. You just had to figure it out, didn't you? The imposter says while walking back into the room. She has his wife's gun pointing at him, with a suppressor mounted to the tip. Who the hell are you, and how do you look like Tiffany? He shouts. She shoots him in the shin, causing him to cry in pain and fall from the couch onto the floor, knocking down some of the stacks of old diaries and photo albums on the way down. Temper, temper, honey, she replies calmly. Who are you? He says in a more submissive yet aggravated tone. I can't believe she had such a perfect life and a perfect husband, and she never told you about me. She walks over, grabs the oldest and most worn-out diary from Tiffany's collection, and opens it to the last entry. She tosses it at him. Read. He began to read the diary entry from June 16th, 1998. Read it aloud! She shouts, Dear Diary, Today, my twin sister Heather is finally being sent to a psychiatric hospital. After years of her pretending to be me, stealing my boyfriends and friends and attacking them for no reason, making me look like a psycho, she finally may be getting the help she needs. She claims she was doing what she was doing to protect me and keep me from getting hurt the same way our biological dad used to hurt us after mom passed, but part of me thinks she didn't want anyone to take me away from her. When she overheard one of the nuns talking to me about getting adopted, she lashed out and attacked her. Tristan couldn't believe it. Tiffany had a twin sister the entire time, but didn't tell him. This was like a plot to a horror movie, not something that happened in real life. The day they came to take Heather away, they mistook me for her. I tried to tell them I was Tiffany, but they wouldn't listen, she says. How did you do all of this? Why did you do all of this? Tristan asks. When Heather and I were kids and our mother died... I gave up my innocence and my life to protect her. Our father started abusing us. Mentally, physically, and even sexually. He always said we were both a spitting image of our mother. That doesn't explain why you killed her and tried to take her place, you psycho! 
She quickly points the pistol at his other shin and pulls the trigger, causing him to cry out in pain again. I am not a psycho! She screams. She stole my life that day at the orphanage! This house, you, it should all be mine! Sane people don't kill their twin sisters and trade places with them! He shouts back. I had to kill that little bitch! Because of her, I was abandoned in a mental ward and branded as crazy. Because of her, I actually went crazy. I did everything to protect her and try and get her the help she needed. And she stabbed me in the back. When I was released, I found her here in this wonderful house with her wonderful husband living the perfect life. The life I always wanted. So you killed her because you were envious of everything she had that you didn't. We would have helped you. Liar, liar, liar! She screams over and over again. As she continues to throw her temper tantrum, Tristan notices Detective Harpman peeking his head just above the windowsill. He signals to Tristan and mouths the words, Backup is on the way. What are you looking at? She stops mid-sentence as she notices the detective's head. For fuck's sake. She fires two shots at the window, causing Detective Hartman to flee back to his car. I spent months planning this, learning everything I could about both of you. I've watched you both day in and day out, noting everything you guys did. I even snuck in and bugged the place while you were both sleeping. She rants angrily. Well, it's over. By now, the cop outside has backup coming, Tristan replies. She takes two shots out the window, making an impact with the driver's side door of his squad car. They both watch as more police cars come up the street with their lights and sirens blaring. Even the rarely used military surplus Humvee was making an appearance. This isn't fair! She screams at the top of her lungs. It's perfectly fair, Heather. Now come out with your hands up! Detective Hartman replies over his squad car's intercom. I'm not Heather! I'm Tiffany! Tristan watches as she paces back and forth for a few moments, talking to herself. He can't help but feel sorry for her. Why don't you just put down the gun and surrender to them? There's no need for you to get killed too, Tristan says. What the fuck do you care? She replies, pointing the pistol at him again. Please don't! At that moment... Two gunshots can be heard. One came from a police officer's M16 rifle, the other from Tiffany's Glock 43. Time seemed to slow down for Tristan as he watched the casing of the last round in the pistol drop to the floor, as did Tiffany. It was like watching his wife get killed in front of him again. Only this time, it wasn't a dream. He dragged himself over to her and pulled her into his lap. It didn't have to be this way, 
he says to her softly. I just... She chokes on her own blood as she bleeds out. Tristan's vision fades to black as the police officers force their way in. I can't believe he didn't make it, and she did, a nurse says while wheeling Heather down the hospital hallway as she stares blankly ahead of them. I can. She was only shot in the shoulder. Another nurse replies as they turn her wheelchair into a padded room. She had shot both of Tristan's shins and then shot him in the abdomen. The two nurses leave her to stare at the white walls of her cell while she smiles, spitting out the pills they gave her to sedate her upon her arrival. You've been listening to Widower by D.B. Anthony. D.B. Anthony's stories have previously been adapted as Horror Hill episodes, and you can also find his work throughout the rest of the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights catalog. Well, my friends, that's all we have for today. I hope that you'll join us next week when we return to our winter-themed content. In the meantime, it might be wise to keep a close eye on your loved ones. After all, you can never be too sure about those that you live with. Everyone has secrets, and those secrets might be deadly. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to hear a premium, ad-free edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. Thanks so much for your time and for giving our sponsors a try today. When you support our sponsors, you help support this show. And that means a lot to me. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. As for me personally, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, username VikingGuitar, and also on Instagram as Viking Guitar Productions. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the horror hill for yet another dance with darkness, I bid you good night. Sleep tight, listener, and if you hear scratching at your door, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. You've been listening to the Horror Hill Podcast, 
a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's episode was hosted by, and its featured tale performed by, yours truly, Eric Peabody. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Nikki McSorley and Eric Peabody. Finalization by Craig Groshek and S.K. Brown. Got a terrifying tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to us today at submissions at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your work considered for future production. If you enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, please subscribe to us to make sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on social media to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and our other programs. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every week. And don't forget to hit the thumbs up button to let us know how we're doing and leave us a kind comment. Lastly, don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archives and ad-free downloads of all of your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, you can hear more of my work on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights podcast. However, I will be back next week with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. If darkness is what you're after, listener, your search is over. Yet, let it be known, you haven't found the darkness. The darkness has found you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.